on this episode. We will be talking about our honest thoughts on what exactly panned out in Sherlock. And we will also be talking about Dirk Gently, the what the fuckery that goes on in it. And the severely underrated Luther. And oh, there's so much more, dude. Just listen. Welcome to a brand new episode of Pop Gear, our uh, kind of frequent podcast on pop culture. So today with us we have uh, four beautiful, amazing people. Uh, I am Amulya. Hi, I'm Suraj. Hey, I'm Sohan. Hi, I'm Sai. And all of these people are sort of uh, mildly tanked up on Old Monk. And it's barely it? noon. And it's yeah, it's barely <laughs> it's five o'clock. And somewhere. it's a Friday. It's five o'clock. Somewhere. Oh, yeah, it's five o'clock somewhere. As Suraj likes to say. Like I was saying, our topic today is detective stuff on TV, and it is inspired especially by a really, really shitty season four of Sherlock. The most disappointing thing that to happen. That bad is it? That bad, really bad. So you would have thought that after season three, there wasn't, there weren't too many depths left to plumb. But yeah, well, actually, so this is a spoiler-free kind of thing. There is an interesting revelation that happens about Sherlock's life that is not there in the original canon. Okay. And he's uh, gay. The butler did it. No, <laughs> this is not Batman. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's a mild Batmanification of Sherlock that happens in this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, yeah, there's a, there's a revelation and a half. And then finally something happens. There are a few upheavals. It's a more dramatic kind of soap opera-ish kind of season. I, and I think we saw it coming in the third one itself. So it's become like Kyuki Sasuke Kabi Bahuti. Yeah, man. And it's like, you know, at some point you're like, okay, this there is a lot of double crossery involved and you're like, why? A lot of pre-recording, very prescient kind of, you know, deception being planned. Well, Rajasen actually puts it very well. I think it was Rajasen, yes. Uh, He says that um, Benedict Cumberbatch has basically made himself a caricature in this. And that's true because you can see that he's trying to do this pandering kind of number. Mm -hmm. He, you know, there's there's this unnecessary edge that's been added to the character. And after Mm -hmm. a point, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Not enjoyable way. And the, thankfully, this is the last season that will come out of this franchise because I think they oh. have really, really kind of wrung it. Because I think one of the things that I liked about the earlier two seasons was also that they were very faithful to the books. When I say faithful, I don't mean exact reproductions. But I think the hat tips or the references were very clever hmm. and hmm. less mm-hmm. indulgent, yeah. you know. And hmm. finding them was, discovering them was a little bit of joy in itself, so... Even this season also has some kind of like, you know, okay, touch and go kind of references, but you can feel the stretch. You can feel that Moffat and Gattis are just like really, really out of their depths. I don't know what's going on, honestly. I think they're just like, okay, we, we've we bagged another contract, boys. Let's try to salvage the situation. And Maybe they have home loan or something. How do you know? <laughs> EMI. EMI. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also very surprising because I think one of the things that has been a Moffat Gattis trademark is knowing when to quit. And yeah. somehow they don't seem to have done that with season. And I started feeling that in season three itself. Mm-hmm. And I was hoping that. And then there was that crappy special in the middle. Of mm-hmm. course, that mm-hmm. abominable, abominable pride. pride yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was that anyway? They tried to make it like <laughs> that a was, movie. I think, that was, I think, a lot of LSD. You're not able to understand. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a lot of LSD. Yeah, this, okay, like, but then the up. one thing that I think was kind of redeeming in this is Martin Freeman seems to be the only one who seems to still have his job intact. That he's like, okay, fine, let me try to do something with this Watson. Mm-hmm. Very like 
kind of you know writing yeah. but still he's like okay yeah. i can still pull this off mm-hmm. and it it's kind of weird because you know when you're watching him in action everybody else seems to be very clued into the fact about what the fuck is going on yeah, okay. but this guy is like no no i'll still be faithful to the script i'll still make this work hmm. um speaking of modern re- reinterpretations of sherlock i loved how elementary's handled a lot of things actually with um uh Sherlock Holmes himself as well as Watson I love the reinterpretation of mm-hmm. w- Watson to be Joan Watson rather than okay. John Watson mm-hmm. and uh there is also this is uh, spoiler alert but um it is not James Moriarty mm-hmm. it is Jamie Moriarty so it's a woman okay and um there are actually some good women characters in elementary So here's the here's the interesting thing. So there seems to be a very sharp like elementary Sherlock divide now especially after the later seasons. Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering how much of the direction that Sherlock is now taking has to do with the effect of elementary I think oh. that it's very it. yeah. yeah, I think actually the season 4 mm-hmm. is heavily influenced by elementary because elementary is a lot more at least towards season 3 and 4 itself in elementary. Mm-hmm. They started to play a lot more with Sherlock having feelings. and okay. you know sherlock having feelings protective instincts for watson mm-hmm. and that kind of comes into play in season 4 yeah, of sherlock and i think sherlock. also the introduction of mary in the sherlock later season arcs is i think i i have a gut feeling it's just a knee jerk reaction to what happened with elementary and which is yeah. also kind of where it fell apart because then you diverge significantly from the source right because Correct. in the books mary's mary is barely a footnote yeah. i mean she exists but that's about it yeah that's what i'm saying that it's like you know kind of Touch, passing touch of a reference to the original canonical mm-hmm. thing that way i think elementary has been far more brave mm-hmm. that they have explored uh, you know his relationship with mycroft mycroft is not an asshole in elementary i mean he's a bit of an asshole but not so much of an asshole yeah. and um, again which is not in the books which is so not in the speak. books there is yeah. no indication at all that he of, is an asshole yeah that's that true. he's an asshole or not or if he has any dimension at all to yeah, his character yeah. and then of course uh, sherlock's relationship with his father merlin mm-hmm. so you know sherlock holmes is a very very followable guy yeah so that has been played up so much more in elementary so i think that the character writing in elementary is so much better than in sherlock mm-hmm. sherlock just seems to be about flashbang spectacle right. like let's have fun with this elementary is a little more brooding and trying to understand what you know where sherlock holmes mm-hmm. comes from as an as a recovering addict trying to find his own a different kind of fix trying to find his place in the normal world which means like having relationships mm-hmm. decent good human relationships be it friendships be it with his family be it with you know his friend and you know guide counselor whatever john watson so yeah i mean yeah. i think but speaking of the writing in elementary and you you did speak about uh, creative re- reinterpretations and spoiler alert listeners um, it, it's revealed that jamie moriarty is actually irene adler irene Ad- point of time does that become like a creative interpretation and not like say fan fiction because in a way do you think it's doing like a disservice to the original canon by you know combining these two sort of iconic characters I don't know about that so I think it's still faithful to the original this might totally sound like bullshit but I yeah. think it's still fa- <laughs> thanks even before I started <laughs> this might sound like a, a a sort of um you know kind of like copying out sort of thing because I am mm-hmm. I tend to be partial to elementary mm-hmm. but um It is true that Sherlock Holmes is kind of affectionate and respectful of Moriarty. Like mm-hmm. he sees him as someone, see him slash her yeah. as someone as a figure that is to mm-hmm. be that is a force to be reckoned with. That is a force that you know, in some sense, it could be even sexual. 
you okay. know that sort yeah. of like old but that's again scene. that's again also very faithful to the books because if you look it at is, it it is that's what like, i'm saying that's what i'm saying he has nothing but regard for moriarty he has contempt for what he's doing moriarty mm-hmm. and irene adler both yeah that's yeah yeah saying, absolutely right? so which is why i'm saying that it seems like a logical thing that you know the two characters that he reveres the most seem to be found in the same person right so i think mm-hmm. that's faithful that's to it, it. Uh, it's okay. it's a, it's an interesting intelligent kind yeah, of yeah. creative liberty they've taken I think also the deification of uh, Cucumber Patch as uh, a real life hero <laughs> uh-huh. uh, seems to kind of affect even his on-screen persona as Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the sense that he's written, so his addiction is not played up so much. It's not yeah. like you they've, know. They've replaced it with cigarettes. No, no, no. Actually, there is uh, there is meth in the fourth season. Meth or something. Some something. other something. some other substance. Some o- he's cooking oh. meth in his kitchen. Eventually, oh. most of the Breaking Bad Sherlock <laughs> yeah, and sort of yeah, <laughs> crossover that we are all and waiting Brian for. And Brian Cranston yeah. is also like, what the yeah, fuck is this guy doing? I, I can foresee a cartoon coming up saying yeah. that after <laughs> retirement, <laughs> <laughs> Breaking Bad basically yeah. turned into Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> but, um, or the other way around, I yeah, so that deification kind of comicifies. Mm-hmm. I think the characters uh, in Sherlock I think it's really cardboard. Yeah, and I think the sad part is it's also started rubbing off on Kamarban's other roles because like he can't resist being Sherlock everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's like That's how Jack true. Nicholson always plays Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like, or Amir Khan plays always Amir Khan. He doesn't no. play any other. Oh. Amir Khan plays perfectionist. Please, please. Hey, so so when I when I first watched season one of Sherlock, mm-hmm. I thought that uh, Bandicoot was leaning his performance heavily from. Uh, Hugh Laurie's performance in House, oh, right? yes. which is interesting because House is based on Sherlock, Sherlock the character yes. of House yeah, yeah. yeah, kind of. Actually, and yeah, I most thought of he was character. leaning, yeah, leaning Actually, a lot from Actually, it's a marriage that. of Sherlock Holmes as well as Watson with the cane. With and the, the cane, exactly. So can yes, I put in one more twist? Ah. So if you see House, Sherlock, and Doctor Strange, right? And in Doctor Strange, he's a doctor yeah. who's an asshole, and he mm-hmm. obviously is the best at what he does. Yeah. They all seem to have the same kind of rendition right so yeah right. this kind of like you know oh he's an adorable asshole like yeah. you wouldn't put up with that human being ever in your real life but True. somehow because he's this edgy genius you kind yeah. of like yeah you know and what's weird is sherlock holmes the original character is based on a doctor so life uh. is full circle doctor 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 jerk it is <laughs> <laughs> but guys since we talked about house do you think it counts for uh, you know, actually, even House as well as Bones and all of these. Mm-hmm. Do you think they count for detective shows then? Because they're all clearly inspired by. Yeah, Shira. I mean, like police procedural kind of stuff, also, right? So, I think Bones, things like The Mentalist, CSI New York. I don't know if I'd call them detective detective shows, but essentially, yeah, they're crime shows, and you can't help you can't help having some degree of detective work or leg work as opposed to pure police procedure. Hey, leg work! I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, I think uh, in the modern world, there is no such thing as a detective, right? So, the only security agencies who call themselves <laughs> detectives. <laughs> Bahadur, right? <laughs> right? Bahadur. Only For me, doctors or diagnosticians are the ones who are real detectives, mm. right? Uh, and I think House was a nice uh, sort of a leap from the old world mm. to the new world where you had uh, real detective stories uh, where you had to unravel mysteries with clues mm. and sort of get to the uh, point of solution, which I thought House did very well. Uh, also, I, I think going back to what you said about Sherlock and everything, so I always look at TV shows as saying that you should discount the last two seasons, Season. right? What? They're always going to be fuck all. Right, everything's going to fall. What if it's only two seasons? Then <laughs> <laughs> don't watch the show. There's no such thing yeah. as only two, except for maybe the night <laughs> off or something uh, like that. Sarabai versus Sarabai. And which is brilliant, by the way. But anyway, I digress. Yes, you digress. But I'm just saying that uh, all TV shows should be judged only from 
the n minus two seasons, right? So mm-hmm. mm. the last two seasons always fall off the cliff. Uh, House, Sherlock, and I'm sure most other series, series like Lost, etc., uh, uh, fall in the same category. Mm. So House, I think, did a great job of doing that whole idea of intellectual unraveling of mysteries and clues and getting to the point. At the same time, having a mix of great characters and uh, you know relationships with the whole reality show See, format House or 13. House is basically ACP Pradyuman with a cane, okay? It's <laughs> like it's like ACP Pradyuman <laughs> with a cane and a drug problem. So it's somewhere like between Sherlock and ACP tem- Pradyuman. It's very <laughs> template. It's very self-indulgent. It's exactly like CID, but better produced. Yes. I, yeah, well, yeah, actually, the characters are very stock. You know, that the, yeah. the, the women characters especially have been written from a man's eyes. It's very, very clear. Because Which is true for is 99% of yeah. popular culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, no, everything in popular culture is written from man's perspective. I'm sorry. What's also interesting is that kind of ties into what Sai mentioned, right? That earlier you had classic detective stories and you saw that play out on TV in yeah. India as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You had yeah. Bhumkesh Bakshi, you had yeah. Tehkikat, you had Karamchand and these were all very much classic in the mm-hmm. mold kind of detective yeah. stories mm-hmm. and somewhere along the way that unraveled and if you actually look at Indian television which I don't watch much of because it's so called mm-hmm. there are hardly any detective shows right yeah. The, yeah. the shows yeah. that center on crime are all like don't come out of your house men will yeah. kill you the world is not <laughs> safe like crime patrol <laughs> South India's India. most wanted yeah, yeah. exactly right chance is sona hai to chao chao that kind of bullshit but you right? know yeah. I, I think that's because that in in our consumption culture at least like um, it we okay. So when you're t- talking about writing a detective show, it actually takes a lot of homework absolutely, and absolutely. research. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. Like yeah. It, because we said, you know, detective shows are also which bringing up bones. S- mm-hmm. Which is why CID is a milestone in excellence and longevity. Like some sixty thousand episodes have happened till now. Oh God. Oh yeah. Imagine so binge watching that shit. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You'll just be Daya You'll breaking be doors and they are man like going twiddling his thumbs yeah. and trying to figure out what happened. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I have a I have a different theory. So at least I've noticed on TV when there are characters with like like incredible traits, like okay, like how is this crazy drug addict and s- similar with Sherlock. I think these shows, the more episodes they produce, the more it starts becoming a parody of itself. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Safety happened to Scrubs, but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And with comedy, I think you know people can manage it, can still elicit a laugh. But with drama like House, like Sherlock, and a lot of these things, it it starts becoming very evident. And then the characters have to just start you know, amping up on their, that particular character trait that is connected. Mm. So then after very a while, it, yeah, and then it just stops being believable. Or it being it becomes very unidimensional. That's what happened to House. That's what's happening with Sherlock. And, oh. and I think here's where I'd like to point out a notable exception, right? So Luther with Idris Elba as Luther is one of those rare detective shows that tends to avoid this trap of self-indulgence, mm-hmm. right? So couple of things that stand out about Luther and mm. I'm going to give out a little bit of a synopsis. So this guy is basically has issues, right? Okay. So he's a cop, he has issues. He's not a detective detective, but he's a proper metropolitan police investigative cop. Mm. Mm. Does, does his job work, well. Does mm. the hard work. And what's unusual about Luther is that this guy has all of these conflicts, right? Mm. And the paths he kind of takes are very offbeat. So mm. he's brought back for a case where there's very, very hot Alice Morgan played by Ruth Wilson, who is his prime suspect. Mm. There's a lot of, there's incredible chemistry between the two, right? So it's one of those things where like, is she the bad guy? Is she not the bad guy? Should he and him, should him and her have like a scene? What is happening? And you can like, that that screen is just buzzing, right? You're like, you can feel that when you watch this stuff, Mm. right? Right. And he basically falls into the case. The guy, somebody who is wronged in the past now comes back and basically turns, he becomes the hunted kind of thing. 
he kills his wife mm-hmm. and this guy just fucking goes ballistic right and mm. he just like loses his shit and he's trying to kind of anchor himself he has nowhere to go as it is cynical as fuck so he's depressed mm. and interestingly enough he hooks up with the suspect kind of and starts working Whoa. with her to get this shit sorted out and Whoa. puts this on the back burner right so oh. it's exact i mean this is exactly the kind of compromise that you see every cop make right like mm. take 100 mm. bucks let a guy without a helmet go but like amplified to a different level mm. and i think that's where luther is really real in that sense right mm. it's very real it's very it's very hard hitting mm. it reminds you that there is some lot of fucked up shit out there and like the kind of conflicts that a detective goes through and the best part is avoid tedium right so they don't yeah. shoot episode 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 mm. so there are there are four series as mm. the bbc likes to call them right mm. so first one six episodes because probably the most detailed arc mm-hmm. the next one's four the next one's four the last one's two mm. and you don't necessarily have to just you know take this guy as just the good guy there is yeah i mean there's there's lots of sides to the character it, mm. it's he's nev- he's not black or white in any of the seasons actually. haha black so. or white <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Uh, no, no but coming make to a a racist joke no, no no not racist joke but coming to that so uh, him as a black character is he does he play a stock black character or is he just a regular guy mm, i think force? i think because it's a british series i think they're also a lot better at some of the stuff as opposed to uh, as opposed to american networks where you know you have these stock, stock tropes characters, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so he's very unlike a stock trope in that sense mm-hmm. uh, i don't think they play too heavily on the race angle of it mm-hmm. uh, at any point in the show mm-hmm. but yeah i mean there's subtle things that do come through because he's at the end of the day he's a product of that part of london Haan, and so all that so that means it's a tradition thing it's a family yeah. thing rather than Haan, it's, it's more of a cultural or. thing than you know having to force fit him and giving him an accent and mm-hmm. you know having him so for example if you ever watched any english movie that's dubbed into hindi on any of the channels hey. the standard <laughs> trope is that any black characters always talk like bombay hoodlums so mm. they like are like are like right so it's, it's like it's like a indian like hello we are indians very oh black character has yeah. to talk like a mawali yeah. but he manages to avoid that and i think he's very he's so very a, sharply portrayed he's very portrayed as a very normal middle class kind of guy like they don't they don't dwell too much also on like black must have come up through poverty mm. and like go yeah. childhood struggle none of that so mm. in that sense yes so i think they basically show a guy who at some point in time was well established was doing well was a good cop but was things doing just his job yeah. and then just nose dived and how he deals with that and how hard it is for him to deal with that mm. okay don't, don't so. read the wikipedia article no. <laughs> <laughs> uh dull gently is a detective yeah. show it is a bbc one. america <laughs> show <laughs> citation needed citation needed oh, citation oh. Needed. <laughs> yeah so i think the time of the day has come when we have to talk about a certain jerk dently hmm? yeah. Yeah uh, so this is a series that released uh, some time ago on Netflix cinate episode series based on the famous Douglas Adams works called Doug Gently's Holistic Private Detective Agency yes. uh, I don't There's know no if you read the books I haven't We have We have Suraj and Amuja literature literature yeah. literature people have read the books uh, I haven't read the books mm-hmm. and I watched the series and I have I've, I've deliberately not watched the last two episodes because like I've said earlier uh, I feel that most shows sort of uh, fall off the cliff with the last few episodes or the last few series yeah, how do you know how seasons. it ends seasons yeah but i wanted to give the f- uh, my point of view on the series so far mm-hmm. and i think it's one of the best things i've seen in recent years so uh, the show is extremely surprising in sense that so it's a mix of science fiction of time travel horror fantasy comedy 
and detective show, right? So you know, that's basically. actually pretty much exactly what even Douglas Adams called it. Oh, yeah. I mean, like when you ask him, how do you classify this? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly what this yeah. is. I think the only thing missing from it is a musical. Otherwise, it has a mishmash of everything. Every genre. Right? Mm-hmm. So it feels like a, a mess that's waiting to happen. But I really enjoyed it because A, the characters are brilliant. There's a character called uh, Bart who's in who looks like an assassin from a zombie era, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't know how the earth world works, mm. right? So there are people from different dimensions. There are uh, secret service agencies. There are uh, people with medical conditions which are fairly obnoxious and fict- fictitious. And uh, there's also, you know, every character is fairly lovable. So there are a bunch of guys who are like hoodlums who are beating the shit out of people. Mm. But they have a heart, mm. right? Uh and I really liked it for the fact that it surprises me. So you mm-hmm. expect people to go in a certain way in an action uh, right. s- series and suddenly there's an emotional drama. There's a sort of... A so it doesn't follow point tropes, basically. It doesn't follow tropes at all. It's and that's what movie, I loved yeah. about it. Yeah. But I think that's so typical. I don't know if... I mean, you've read all other Douglas Adams yes. thingies, right? Yes. So that's so typical yeah. of him that mm-hmm. there is never anything... Although even if he sets his stories in an apocalyptic kind of world... Mm-hmm. There is nothing, anything bad that actually ever happens. Which is why you root for your hoodlums, which is why you root for, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, even dictators if you actually put it in there. But, you know, one thing that I really like, okay, so I I watched three episodes of this. What I, I was completely disconcerted by it, I was completely thrown off because um, it didn't very readily connect with the books per Mm -hmm. se. And what I missed the most was the narrative quality of Douglas Adams' writing. So he he has like certain insights in things. For example, he talks about programming. All right. Mm -hmm. He talks about programming and writing algorithms as a system Mm -hmm. of just baking a really complex problem into really simple, small Mm -hmm. moving parts. So that's like you can hear Douglas Adams thinking and processing programming that way. And there Mm -hmm. is something profound about that. And Mm -hmm. that is missing, I felt, in the TV series. But... It's amazing. That it's great that you talked about rooting for the characters because that's exact. That is a hallmark of Douglas Adams. Adams. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. also I think uh, I must confess I have not read the books. Mm-hmm. And I think for somebody who's not read the books and people like all of us who are used to a certain type of storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, so if it's a science fiction genre of TV show or if it's a mystery show, there's a certain way in which the story yeah, unfolds. Like a template. Right? Like a template, of, yeah. largely. And you don't expect a certain character to do certain things. Right. So mm-hmm. an assassin who in the first episode looks like she's mad and she wants to kill anybody who's in a way, yeah. suddenly has an emotional point of view and she builds platonic relationship with a right. person she was about to kill. There's also really dark shit where you know a person slaps a young girl mm. uh, who's actually a dog inside a girl's body. Girl's body and wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Some really, really uh, dark yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think I think the TV series definitely ups the bizarre quotient from the novels. Yeah, because I think because it's a more visual medium. Yeah, because it's a more visual medium. I think it definitely ups the bizarre quotient. Uh, I don't think the original the original novels are not that bizarre. They're still surprising. Yeah. that element of no, surprise but that's is because I mean, yeah. you come if you you've read Hitchhiker's Guide, means you use mm-hmm. you used to like yeah, you know on jets shit. and you're like yeah. okay, yeah, there is that kind of weird creature. So yeah, I can I this is possible yeah. like a bot riding a horse, completely possible. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would like to talk about Doug Gently is that uh, it may not be one of the best shows in the last few years, but it's something that we should all watch because it's extremely different from anything else you've watched ever, mm-hmm. right? It's unapologetic, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing with any other show, if, for example, we were talking about Sherlock in the past and so on, is that uh, they try to be in a certain genre and stay committed yeah, to that, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Doug Gently who's saying that, fuck this shit, I'm going to be intense about a certain type of storytelling, which includes science fiction, time travel, horror, love stories, relationships, 
uh and fantasy etc right and of course detective work and yeah. of course detective work it's holistic detective holistic. work as he calls it mm. so just to uh, give us short synopsis uh, the reason why it's called holistic is because they believe in this whole philosophy that everything in the universe is connected mm. right so sounds oh like a cliche oh my god they keep yeah. harping this in they all the episodes they keep harping on yeah. this all throughout uh it's a little more subtle in the books no yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a little more subtle in the books yeah, yeah. but it is something that you need to uh, keep track of it's not something you can just you know relax and watch So I think I was kind of uncomfortable because I mean, uh, this is this is a stupid bias. You can't necessarily always evaluate how a book has been treated yeah. to how the TV series has panned out. Um, but I was very unsettled by the fact that I couldn't ground too many of the characters immediately. Mm-hmm. That was one. And the second, I generally felt a case of what the fuck because they were even in the first episode. If you see, there's a, there is an establishment of way too many characters. There were yes. way too many things, and the only thing that was the bridge. was them constantly saying everything is connected everything is connected the introduction of bart begins with her murdering some dude in cold blood like yes. there's there's no mercy spared whatsoever mm-hmm. there's blood gore you know gut spilling all over the pavement kind of thing there's and no context set before that yeah, yeah there's no context whatsoever she seems to have just run off from somewhere and she's looking for dirk gently she wants to murder the motherfucker or something mm-hmm. and uh yeah and then afterwards you're like and then she says the same thing that dirk gently says and that's the, and that curiosity is the only hook Mm. like and then of course there is the general casual thing of you know there's this gang that's beating up somebody's house and i'm like dude what exactly is going on man that chaos it takes a little while to you know kind of settle in i think it's a very brave choice on max landis the director's part yeah. to so just visualize it that just, way so uh, if you look at uh, indian independent director called kaushik mukherjee who's re- now known as q, q. q. Right? Mm-hmm. so he talks of the same thing that we are all used to a certain style of storytelling mm-hmm. uh, we expect mm-hmm. something we don't easily accept chaos and you know multiplicity of m- many things happening at the same time mm. and which is why i think uh, dug gently did a great job i think it's a very mature interpretation of how the book has been done yeah. and uh, i think i'm used to being spoon fed <laughs> maybe with by tv and this is this is very mature take like actually even if you see the individual stories in the dirk gently books like i'm not saying the individual stories i mean the individual chapters right they're very self containing in the sense that yeah. if if it's about a bot riding a horse there is enough information for you to know what is this bot about this bot believes things for you you know so that you don't have to worry yourself think, about it i think the books lay out characters a lot better i think where the yeah, series there's time also too there's, there's time, time also too but and i think the connections in the book are a little more subtle right so the whole everything is connected bit kind of plays that out I a little more subtly in the book and, I think and not so much in your face it's required it is, it is, in it the is, tv it is it is it's, it's so like yeah. it's like saying it's it's like a trigger warning right it's yeah. like saying it's like saying you need to look for connections you yeah. need to look for connections it's not all random that yeah. So I think one TV series that did this and had polarizing polarizing views few years back was Lost the TV series which tried to <coughs> uh, have an intersection between horror suspense yeah. uh, supernatural science fiction time travel Thriller. and of and course, course human stories <laughs> and of course that. just good old what the fuck yeah, there was yeah, that yeah, also lot of uh, yeah. and again ignoring the last two uh, seasons of Lost size n minus 2 rule this is size n minus 2 plus 7 rule yeah, yeah. the plus 7 uh, really it did a good job i i think it sort of tried to have its feet in multiple things and yeah. it did a decent job of it and dug gently is uh, you know that to the power I of i think pen. i think though the the critical difference is i think lost kind of eventually got there so it's yeah. like hey this season will do this oh this season will do this oh this season will do this dug gently has been conceptualized as something that is an intersection to start with yes. so you yeah. know that you're getting into something that is multifaceted mm-hmm. already 
from the outset. Yeah. When you're watching Lost, you're like, ah, this is a harmless TV show. And then afterwards, you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Mm. You know? So at the end, I would like to say that for me, Doug Gently is one of the best things I've seen in recent times mm -hmm. because of the fact that it surprised me uh, and it's unexpected and it's nothing like anything I've ever seen. Guys. Yes. yes. Since we're talking about detective stuff, I have one confession to make. Mm -hmm. I have watched exactly 10 minutes of True Detective. And? I really liked it, but I didn't go back to it. What? How could you not like Matthew McConaughey's accent? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's married as fuck. Or Matthew McConaughey <laughs> with his bare chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, let me take off my shirt. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, Salman Khan, huh? No, it is not. I really like True Detective season one. And uh, for various reasons. So I think one thing... That First of all, tell me what it is. What it is. Okay. Mm. So it's this story and I, I was coming to that. Um, it's one of those... First of all, it's one of those rare stories that's set in like the sort of American Midwest. This whole sort of swampy Louisiana thing. Yeah, it's one of those belts that people yeah, generally people tend to ignore. No one gives a shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Post-90s, nobody gave a fuck. No yeah, or or, child. or yeah. I think one of the problems that at least from whatever I've seen is also one of the stock problems when they try to depict that whole Bible belt is yeah. that they degenerate into tropes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's become like, yeah, yeah. 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 Like if you show them as rednecks and like generally be offensive. Get off my yeah. property. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And uh, <laughs> a very king of the hill sort of. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. But 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 uh, Carrie Fukunaga and you know the other writers and directors and whatnot, they they managed to bring out this very dark like the whole you know the the whole atmosphere was dark and it seemed like a very sort of mysterious place that you know um, like with occult things happening with a slight religious overtone there. Mm. Um, it was very brooding and. Uh, after that, you had this character that played by Matthew McConaughey that um, he was kicked mm -hmm. off the police force. And mm -hmm. uh, what is it with people getting kicked off the you fucking are not a, police force? You are not a TV worthy cop till you get kicked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's simple, like, yeah. yeah, you have to fight it's, these stuff. Then you come back. Yeah. 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 You, you have to have a basement office yeah. with a useless, like you know, Correct. sidekick. Exactly, and and you need to like. Uh, we are into alcoholism once you're kicked off the force. You know, your Correct. wife leaves you, and, and then people need you and they bring and then, you back yeah, for one last job. The, the way it was, I think, set up and the art direction and, you know, how dark and brooding and almost evil, I'd say. Because um, it starts off with a murder mystery and it's not just a straight-up brutal murder, but it's done in a sort of way that would indicate that it's something from the occult. Yeah. Mm. And uh, that just really, you know, it, it draws you in. Mm. And um, uh, pretty much all the good reviews or all the reviews you see of the entire season of True Detective will talk about this amazing episode, which is episode four, which ends in this brilliant uh, single shot, six minute tracking shot. And I think that just, uh, you know, shoots the TV show into just like a different stratosphere. I mean, yeah. uh, the way that they have like technically and, you know, cinematogra cinematography so of that shot. It's interesting. So one of the things that Fukunaga got right with True Detective mm -hmm. was they actually did a lot of research on what the show should look like. Okay. So there's a series of, there's basically a photo uh, collection called mm -hmm. Chemical Corridor, which is about uh -huh. this whole industrial belt in Louisiana right. and Tennessee and how it's yeah. been laid, like ravaged by industrial development mm -hmm. and pollution mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. been like completely fucked up, right? Yeah. So what these guys actually do in the opening credits also. Yeah. So this guy, Fukunaga actually saw the book. Okay. And then he actually started using stills from the book in the opening credits. Right. And whenever they shot, they made sure that they went back to the book and kind of looked at it to make sure that they were, you know, depicting the whole mm -hmm. desolation of the yeah. Place, landscape accurately. and all of that. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of hard work that went into that. Like right, it's, right. It's, it's not real looking by accident. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I think uh, uh, drawing parallels with uh, David Fincher's Seven, for example, mm -hmm. while it's sort of unraveling a mystery in that dark scenario, it's also showing how society is crumbling around you, right? People's values and 
you know everyone right. ar- around you is sort of getting deeper and darker it's it's set in a slightly older age right? it's, yeah. it's yeah. not exactly set in the present so it's it's set a little backward in that sense about a few years back or a few mm. decades back a few decades back where the sort of american family system was sort of crumbling and there's sort of a commentary on that yeah. mm-hmm. also moving into more nuclear spaces yeah. lots of yeah. migration yeah. one you see you look around and you see things being ravaged and you can see the transition that is happening of the landscape literally of the landscape yeah. literally yeah. and two you can also see the people getting fucked up as you go along yeah. and i think season 2 lost that aspect a little bit so do so they deal with christianity as yes, well yes exactly. yes that's absolutely the bible belt so it's a bible belt and lot of these occult so in the process of the investigation they actually go to these uh, very niche sort of churches and you know they they investigate there and and they, you can see that you know it's all these things are affecting like people and hence they are seeking uh, refuge in like a sort of um, and the power of the Extreme. church and the power of the yeah. church yeah. it's explained yeah oh wow yeah the corrupt church so yeah. to speak and And so again like a classic institution versus individuals yeah, yeah, yeah. i think i think in many ways i think what i really liked about season 1 of true detective was that it gave me very wire feels in ah, the sense of yay! in the sense of you know like ticking all the right boxes mm. for how you want to see the police or detective a detective investigating agency as a kind of mirror to all the shit that is happening around you mm. and season 2 kind of lost that a little bit it's it's quite bleak actually and and you 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 there are long sequences of matthew mcconaughey speaking into a camera because mm. he's being inter, in, uh, yeah. interrogated Indicated. and uh, uh, he'll spout lines like time is a flat circle and it's it's very yeah <laughs> it's very bizarre and it's, he's on drugs most of the time yeah he's you know so he's is he under an the influence yeah, he's, he's an under the influence he's he's like you know down like four five beers when he's talking oh. and you can see you know um, how all these things have affected him how the loss of his child and you know his broken marriage has affected him And good cop bad cop, cop emotionally fucked up cop in the same place yes <laughs> <laughs> all and all three are the same person yeah. okay so that brings us to the end of a rather monumental or so we think episode of pop gear our podcast this is the four of us signing off i'm amulya i'm sai sohan i'm suraj we hope you enjoyed it and whatever feedback you have we're waiting to listen If you're the emailing type, then send us a long love letter on popgearpodcast at gmail dot com. You can even tweet to us at popgearpodcast. That's podcast with a D. And find us on Facebook. Just search popgear. And we'd like to end with a very important message. Idris Elba needs to be the next James Bond. Do 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 do